While this podcast contains little to no explicit material, it is sprinkled with some uncensored swears. Listener discretion is advised. Like skin, pray for evenings in. Hold their hands in the street when you walk them off to school. A box too full to shut, a cardboard paper cut, the bleeding edge of a picture of your parents when they were cool. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes the day fading as it passes. Forget the gray, let it fall apart. It's okay. I like you in glasses. Shovels in the sand. I do not begin this cast on a happy note. It would be impossible to do so after the events of June 2022. Uh, we had a month of record heat across the United States and a Supreme Court that decided in the spirit of that, to basically burn everything down. This was one of the darkest months in American history, and it's impossible to ignore that. As Pride Month raged, it was a pride that was angrier, more vengeful than I can remember. And it should be. Everybody should be angry. Everybody should be upset. And you get to a point when you have a month like this, when you have a year like 2022 has been, where you stop and you wonder, what's the point of everything? Why? Why should we care? Why should we, the three of us, be sitting here across the country in talking about film? What, what's the point of all this? You have to have an existential crisis. And the reason that you have to have that crisis is because you have to realize something important. We have to talk about this stuff. There is an old apocryphal saying that um, during wartime, uh, Winston Churchill was asked about, you know, should they reallocate funds from the artists? And he said, why? Then what are we fighting for? That never happened, by the way. That's completely apocryphal. But I'm reminded of that quote at this moment. Right now, the world is bad. The world is dark. And why should we talk about art? I think it comes down to this. If we're not, then what are we fighting for? We have to have joy. We have to have light. It's been a long since six months since we did one of these COVID casts. And it's been a very brutal six months. But there has been light in that time. Today, we're putting aside the dark, and we're choosing to focus on the light. We all have accomplishments. We all have things that are going for us. And um, on that note, I'm going to hand things off first to my co-host, Zephyr, who has an announcement to make. Zephyr? My announcement is, no, I'm not leaving the Omniplex. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. You said it was a wonderful announcement. <laughs> that, doesn't ca- that would not count. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> no. Um, actually, uh, for the past six months, I have been doing a bit of horror writing. And in that six months, that interview with Peter Atkins could not have come at a better time. Truly. Yeah, truly. And some of my stories will be produced as audio dramas. I have... I have read these stories. They are fantastic. You all, we should all be getting really excited about this. Woo-hoo. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. 
Yes, folks. Um, my stories will be produced as part of the horror anthology podcast, The Gray Rooms, where each episode is split into two parts. You have an overarching narrative, and then you have the story of the week, which is user-submitted. I've listened to it. It's fantastic. So I am very, I am very excited that you're going to get to <laughs> yes. do this. But yeah, yeah. very much a, like a Crypt Keeper vibe. Yeah. 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 I've, I've submitted three stories. Two of them will be formally produced for the gray rooms and then the third one will be part of a spin-off series and then on top of that on top of that i am also helping write part of the narrative for season five yeah this is yeah. insanely cool and we, <laughs> we will cover this when uh when this comes out we will be covering it on a full episode as more information becomes public yes yes as more information is public and you know the little bits that i'm allowed to tease here and there but i i did not think that i get that far that quickly i'm we're so proud i mean i did because i read the stories i i i really had no doubt this is fantastic stuff and it's a real honor for us to be covering this and yeah mm -hmm. we're so excited yes and yeah in the same token uh People in who are part of the gray rooms have listened to us, the Omniplex, and they're excited. Great. So, which is, which is very humbling, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yes, I'm. I'm still trying to process that the guy that wrote Hellbound, Hellraiser Two, actually has been on our cast. The fact that the guy that did that wrote Craven's Last Hunt is a is an episode for us. I still can't believe some of this stuff. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. I can't believe he's on my Facebook friends list. I know it's weird. I love doing this cast. And we have some big guests coming. Uh, I have one guy I'm tr I'm going to try and reach out to today and see. I just want to say, just while we're still on Peter, it's really funny saying this about like a horror, a horror person, but he's one of the most chill guests I think we've ever had. He's one of the loveliest people. I was just struck yeah. at how great it was just to sit and listen to him talk about the genre and to really see how much he enjoyed it and how you could tell this was a guy that looks at his life and goes, wow, I got to do some cool stuff. That's inspiring. Absolute pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, let's look forward because, uh, boy, do we have a lot of movies to cover. We're going to this is this is our latest COVID cast. And look, all you need to know is. How many how many people in this room can say that they were affected by COVID in the last six months? Two out of three. Two out of three. Two out of three. Uh, Lola had it, uh, and she had it, had it. She was actually sick. And then uh, Zephyr, you had it, right? Last year, but yeah. Last year. Oh, yeah. And then okay, so Albert, you were the one who finally got caught up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's like I haven't had it. I've had oh so many scares. Who hasn't though? Yeah. These days, but like. God, just last week. Just, no? Yeah. Week before, last week. I'm going to call it last Time's week. Time is time, yeah. These last two years are an illusion. Mm. Yeah, that's, at least that's what I'm going to hope. But no, hoping to wake up from, hey. wake me up, can't wake up inside. <laughs> exactly. Not all of it's a nightmare, but, you know. Anyway, a coworker had it, and uh, I was in, like, close proximity to her. Uh, for like the entire day Friday because of training and whatnot. And well, we were both wearing masks. So, you know, there's no panic moment or whatever. But then she left that day, told told Tab that uh, who was at 
who is also, you know, who works where I work, stopped and told Tab that, uh, hey, she's going home because <laughs> your roommate had COVID. So it's like, ah, oh, that's that's oh, that's too close. But I'm OK. <laughs> like, it's been over a week and I haven't, you know, nothing's happened. So been very, very lucky. I don't know how we in this household have dodged it. This household, like my family, I just, I don't know how we've dodged it. <laughs> my family has not. So um, yeah, I, I, think... I bring this up to start this cast on a note, which is, please understand, this is still fully a COVID cast. Absolutely. The pandemic is still raging. If you pretend it's not, then I'm going to absolutely come at you. And look, it's not going away. It's no, not going but... away. It, no, it's definitely not going away. I know for a fact that uh, at at the time of this recording, Pittsburgh has uh, hosted Anthrocon for the first time since the pandemic started, and uh, there are confirmed COVID cases. Yeah, there. of course there are. Yeah, I won't go anywhere near a convention right now. Yeah, I just I was going to wait until the middle of the cast to talk about this because it's not film or tv but it is a it is a piece of media that i got to see in person um so i'm a big fan of welcome to night vale uh mm. yeah and um for tab and i's third anniversary like i got i got her into it uh last year like when she started working at my workplace and uh we both love it so as a as a little surprise for her i got to uh say happy anniversary we're going to night vale they came to cool. Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was a f it was a you know health check. Everybody had to have had to be fully vaccinated, and um, like everybody had everybody had to wear masks. There are people that came in without, and the the staff were great. And anybody they spy without a mask was like, okay, you ha you have to go. We we provide some. You have to go back and wear a mask. And yeah. um. So yeah, the only people that weren't, of course, were the cast up front. I'm going to keep this as short as I can. It was a great show. It was so great to see in person. It's so much more lively to see Cecil do what he does like in person on stage. It's so wonderful. Cool. Hey, anybody who can see Night Vale, go see Night Vale in your lifetime. Multiple I, times if possible. I actually have had a, I have a dear friend who actually saw Cecil yeah. at the, the infamous DashCon. Oh my! Oh, yes, thought, they were there. I thought wow. they canceled their show. No, 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 it, no. no they were there at DashCon. Now I'm just yeah. like, wow, oh. what a moment! Shit! Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow! All right. Yeah. The point. The point is uh, for bringing it up this early is uh, Kate Jones, who plays Michelle Nguyen on Night Vale, came up and was the MC. Uh, the MC was going to be Meg Bash winner, uh, one of the other cast members, and also wife of the writer, but uh, they had a baby. So they could they could not be at the show, which is a joyous thing. But uh, two of their people caught COVID on the tour. Uh, Disparition, who does their music, caught it while they're in Chicago. Their merch person caught it, so they had to have you know somebody jump up to that plate. It's real people. Yeah, the show we went to was the last show before they had to postpone like five or six shows because one of the one of the members of the cast caught it. So I think they're I think they're back doing it now, but it's still like a oh that's scary. <laughs> so well, stay safe out there, people. And now for the weather. And now for the weather, exactly. Zephyr, take it away. Okay, I'm I'm going to start off by saying that uh, there were a couple of things that were discussed in the previous COVID cast that I finally got around to seeing. I'm going to start off by saying 
I kind of despise Adam McKay, and I don't think he's all that funny. Yeah, this is this is this is one that I knew was coming, and my response is, yeah, humor's subjective. I have two on the list, though. First, don't look up. What a crock of shit! Like this whole time, this whole time, like I sat there and like this is literally the second half of Neil Postman's amusing ourselves to death. If you've read it, you already see the signs. It's basically plagiarism at this point. And I don't know what the Academy saw in this. I just think it, it's a load of shit. And one of their post credit scene just decides to hell with logic and say, yes, you can survive the comet. What's, what's that now? Oh, uh, Jonah Hill's character in one of the post credit scenes. Oh, oh, yeah. Emerges from the rubble. Where he's doing a TikTok video to nobody. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Okay. And he's totally the only one, huh? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's not good. And on the second McKay, I finally got around to the first Anchorman film. I know... I know I'm a late bloomer. That's okay. <laughs> um, if it's supposed to be a satire, it is very toothless. Absolutely. I've seen the alternate cut and there was a little bit more satire in that, but really fundamentally this movie was these people amusing themselves on the set. That's really what it is. And at that point, you know, who, who wants to watch, you know, people just, having fun on set for the sake of themselves and not others. <sighs> it's awkward. Walking out the door, running away. It's fun when it's funny. I, yeah. I can only say this is one of my favorite comedies of all time. Yeah. But the, but the yeah. cool thing is comedy is subjective and Zephyr's reaction is just as valid as mine. Yeah. Because that's how criticism works. People. Yeah. Yes. I don't. I get. I get why Zephyr didn't. I, I Zephyr. I get your response. I get. I listen. When I drove home, watching from watching it, I drove home with a friend who was so angry he didn't talk the entire way home. Yeah, it was so like loud. Like ev like the dialogue is at one pitch the entire time, and there's no real room to breathe. Yes, it is. And at that point, I I don't even know how to put this. It's like, do you even know how to write? If it's all just going to be at one pitch, because you got to have breathing moments and there really weren't that many. I, I, I honestly, Talladega Nights is as much as I love Anchorman, Talladega Nights is by far the superior comedy. And it's because McKay did actually figure that stuff out. And as soon as he figured it out, he immediately quit doing it because I hate his current stuff. So like I, I'm on the record saying I, I don't like the big short at all even with its attempt to pitch it to the lay person i still found it utterly confusing well it, it treats the lay person as if they're stupid you want to watch a movie about economic stuff that's good watch enron the smartest guys in the room i'm no alex gibney fan but at least that's entertaining does tell you stuff honestly i say i'm not an alex gibney fan but i've actually probably enjoyed everything i've seen by him he's just obvious Yes, uh, sliding down. Idiocracy. Finally saw Idiocracy. And holy hell, is this a bad movie. Can I, can I suggest that we put a pin in Idiocracy and come back to it as a movie that we cover as a full cast? 
because I have been dying to tear this movie apart for years. I want the chance to do so. I hate idiocracy. God, this means I'm <laughs> going to have to sit through it again. I'm the only dissenting opinion. <laughs> that would be fun, but I really do want. So I think idiocracy yeah. is eugenics. The movie. Let's call it what it is. It. Oh no! It, it's not. No, it's not just eugenics. It's also racism too. Blatant racism. Well, yes. Well, you have to remember that for me, eugenics and racism are the same thing. So yes. Well, yes, but at the same time, there's it's so racist. My God, it's so offensive. Well, this will be an interesting cast. <laughs> yeah. So I may. I will have words on Mike Judge towards the end of this cast. Just saying. I may be. I may be forced to reconsider. Jeez. Granted, I I haven't seen it in a long, long time. So yeah. Yeah, times have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time changes some shit like badly yes, <laughs> sometimes. It Very does. badly. Mm. Showgirls. Oh boy. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of all I've got to say on it. That's when I avoid, like, the play. <laughs> it is, in fact, as bad as people say it is. Oh, uh, the only funny thing I can say about it is my mom and grandmother went to see it, and they were furious. They wanted to see something trashy and fun, and contrary to this film's opinion, they didn't get it. No. No, 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 no. I want trashy and fun. I'll watch Female Trouble. <sighs> God yeah, can we talk about John Waters again? That that sounds like more fun. I I've seen articles saying, oh, it's a misunderstood classic. It, you no, know, it's, it's actually a satire, and it's like, no. Please remember who wrote it. Like, it's not a satire if it's an actual thing that happens. Like, it's a more extreme problem than what I have with Beyond the Valley of the Dogs, which I'll get to Russ Meyer later. But like. Beyond the Valley of the Dogs is pitched as a satire. And I'm like, no, no, it isn't. It's, I don't even know what to call Beyond the Valley of the Dogs other than it is... Weird, is what I go with. Yeah, weird, primarily in the third act, if anything. Yeah. But uh, Showgirls is not good by any stretch of the imagination. It is not the fun kind of trashy that... I particularly enjoy. There is no joy to be had in this film or really anything involving showgirls other than, hey, it's notorious. Yeah, for good reason. The The weekend that Seven beat it at the box office will forever to me be a case where whatever else you want to say about Seven, it was a better movie. Yes, Seven is a far better movie. A much better movie. Wonderfully acted. Uh well-directed, got David Fincher up on his feet doing what he was supposed to be doing, led to the game being a thing that we got. I'm about to write about that one soon. Yeah. And also, I think the biggest thing that I think will always be Seven's legacy is it showed Brad Pitt, listen, dude, whatever the hell you want to make, you can make it. Audiences will come. That was a good lesson he learned. Yes. Fuck it, I'll get into Russ Meyer right now. Okay, so... This is a good time, yes. I saw Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. Roger Ebert helped pen the script this time under a pseudonym, and this is him being extremely horny on Maine. Which is really saying something when you consider that Ebert being horny on Maine was so well known, it literally gets a segment in his bio documentary. Like, people will point to Beyond the Valley of the Dolls as like, oh, look at him doing, you know, doing something different. Like, yes, true. 
beneath the Valley of the Ultravixens is something else. It's basically sex in a small town with anybody and everybody. And that's it. That's the joke for 90 minutes. Like, it started off oddly promising. I'll, I'll give you that. You have a, a husband and wife in a house. Husband's doing taxes and you see the wife trying to loudly pleasure herself at any cost. And, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. And then it just kept going. Is it the Family Guy rule of comedy that the longer you do a bit, the funnier it becomes later on? Like it becomes not funny, then funny, then not funny, then funny again? No. <laughs> no. Because that rule isn't even true anyway. No, it's not. <laughs> but I'm saying that's that's the rule that they go by, like, uh, I don't know, 50% of the time. Yeah, is it that tried rule, though? No, that, no this is, I mean, like... This is a film that because of the period that it's in, because this is a film about sex, gotta include at least one sequence about them quirky homosexuals with the lisping and oh no, and the pastels and the interior decorating and the whole ass faggotry going on. And I'm just like, Ebert, Ebert, buddy. Um, I have a weird feeling, to be honest that he may have slightly regretted that because if you look at his later reviews, he tears into that kind of thing pretty viciously. And having done stuff that I'm not pleased with, let me tell you, the stuff that I'm not pleased with doing is the stuff that I'm usually gutting the most. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's bad. It's very not comfortable. I saw Marmaduke 2022. That was the big mm -hmm. one I was expecting you to talk about. So please, because none of us are going to go anywhere near it. Nope. <laughs> it's all you yeah unfortunately it's all me uh i have a streaming cartoon i'm gonna talk about but it might be a tiny bit better like okay so netflix has recently decided to slash and cancel some of their animated projects go off and around that time it was announced they decided to just drop Marmaduke 2022 onto their service without a single word. Mm. I, I've seen a number of bad animated films. This kind of ranks up there. I believe it. Because you have an animation style that is wildly inconsistent, where it takes the joke of Pixar mom dump truck ass to its literal extreme for the mom character. Which begs the question, why would you do that after The Incredibles already did the joke so well? Now, keep in mind, this is with a cast that is ridiculously toothpick skinny. Okay, that that is stupid. Yes. You also have very unclear motivations throughout the film where you have like this champion dog trainer show up and he's poised to be the villain, but then he ends up being good this entire time. And then it's like, okay, then what are we fighting against? What, what's the, what's the conflict here? And it turns out to be some kind of dog show where JK Simmons, unfortunately plays a, an Afghan hound owned by two very stereotypical Germans. And Oh yeah, the stereotypes oh, are rampant here. Well, it's Marmaduke. We're not expecting 
Why are, why, in fact, why are there two Marmaduke movies? I would love to know that. That's a comic strip with one joke. That dog's big. It's also not established if the animals can actually communicate with the humans because there are scenes where Marmaduke is clearly having a dialogue with the trainer, but the trainer doesn't actually respond to what he's saying. Sort of a Garfield situation almost. Yeah, kind of, I guess. Yeah. I'm just saying it's been done. Yep. Yeah. It. Um. There is the overly lengthy atomic fart sequence. Gross. Which is seen in the trailer. And in fact, the trailer is literally just the film from beginning hmm. to end. Oh, lovely. A drive situation. Just, yeah, I was going to say, just like drive. Hey, so there you go, folks. If you if you're at all curious, just watch the trailer. You've seen it. Yes. But like at least drive is like here. Here's the movie and sped up and uh, rapid fire in complete order. But hey, at least it's drive. I'm just lucky I forgot the trailer for that one. But yes, yes. Oh, I'll never forget it because I'll never forget sitting in a theater watching it with Amanda going. This is the entire movie start to finish in chronological order, sped up and rapid fire. This is kind of a terrible trailer because it is so exactly the movie. But then again, I don't really care because, again, it's it's drive. It's kind of an all time great movie. Mm hmm. Yes, uh, Marmaduke is voiced by Pete Davidson, who I'm pretty sure was held at gunpoint voicing these lines. He had to be. He had to be. Especially because Davidson is a funny guy. He's an extremely funny guy. Really? I, I think so. <laughs> I think his SNL works great. I think he kills on it. I really haven't seen anything. I'm, I'm serious. I really like his work there. I think I think he's better when he has material to work with, though, like anybody else. But I, I like him on that show. He he makes me laugh. I can't help it. That said, his stand-up is shit. Never listen to it. It's it's atrocious. Oh, boy. Good to yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, he is not a naturally funny person, but he is a good performer. I have several comedians on my list uh, that have that. It's like, I like them as an actor. I don't necessarily care for their stand-up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's also a, a rap for the credits done by Pete Davidson. And it is every bit as bad as you can imagine. <laughs> it is neutered, heavily neutered. So to speak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I this, believe it. Yeah. This film is, uh, it's not good. Not good at all. Well, I will make a point not to watch it. Yep. And I've got one film here that I'm pretty certain i'm the only one out of the three of us who has seen it that it that played in the theaters did you see it in the theater no okay i saw morbius you saw the morbius yes i saw the morbius out of respect for my love of the comic books which are actually fun which are actually really good i actually think the comics are really good i have both of the epic collections i'm not watching it because i'd rather watch a good one does he morb as hard as the memes say? He okay. So, <laughs> in tradition of being a morb head, I did not watch this in the theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. No, um, no. As proven by their by their ill-advised second release, nobody did. I explained it to people online, by the way, that this was because Sony has always been doing these back releases. It's a dumb tradition they have. Unfortunately, it wasn't the meme. But go on. Yeah. Okay. Um well, what what was it? They do like, they do it to try and pick up some extra coin. 
It's like, okay. well, if the movie's getting a big video boost, they try and get a little bit of money in theaters. That's the answer. Well, this time around, Sony didn't understand the, that they were the joke. Mm-hmm. Right. And re-releasing it and then having it flop even harder. It's great. It, it's beautiful. We probably won't see anything like this for quite a while. I was going to say, didn't it flop harder than uh, uh, Oogie Loves? Mm, I who made like $300,000. But in all fairness, it wasn't its first release. In all fairness, it wasn't That's its first true. release. That's true. It was not its first release. So yeah, it did. Yeah. It did highly mediocre on its first release, and that's the best I can say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I I watched a shitty web video of Morbius, as as expected. And aside from what we've already said about Jared Leto in prior casts, this guy is not a leading man at all. And to have him try and pick up the mantle as a superhero, yeah, that's not happening. Not happening. And of course, you have, you know, Jared Leto using, if you pardon the expression, morbidity aids. That's uh, just. What? You go to hell. You go to hell and you die. Morbi- morbidity? I, I don't uh, understand. Mo- what? Mobility. <laughs> mobility aids. He crips up for the movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Yes. Matt Smith. Poor Matt Smith. God, he deserves better. I saw him in something good recently, but I'll get to that in my section. Yeah. Um, mm. He deserves something good. Yeah. He should have been Morbius, if anything. Oh, absolutely. He would have been tremendous. He would have been the comic version. If he and Leto swapped roles, this might have had a chance. Might have. That being said, it's still not a... Like, the worst sin Morbius committed was being bland yeah and that's not the material that's what pisses me off the material is hammer comics the material is basically hammer films in comic form that's what it should have been like i can forgive a film if it's not done well on some aspects but if you're just being bland and not really taking any great risks to do something with the material that is you know a fucking Marvel, mm-hmm. and you're playing it safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to respect you as much. The the problem with bland is it's not memorable. It's the most. It's for me. It's the most frustrating. It's the worst sin you can commit. Yeah, because like if it's bad, you can't. You'll at least be talked about. You know, if it's yeah. good, it's you know, it's it's good. good. Even the worst films have like something that people can pull out of them and enjoy you know but if it's just mediocre you got nothing it's it's the it's the church of laodicea you are neither hot nor cold you are lukewarm and i spit you out of my mouth that is how i feel about bland art bad art i can deal with and i can wrestle with i'm uh i'm writing my 1997 project right now and i can't wait to talk about batman and robin because i'm going to talk about why i think there's some legitimately good stuff in there even though I think the film itself is a train wreck. Yeah, I have no I have no interest in Morbius. And again, I have spent $40 on comics for this character. So I was willing to spend that money on that version of the character. I'm not willing to spend it on this. That's an insult. Yeah. I'm not even willing to get I'm not even willing to bootleg it. That's my review. No, because that would be illegal. Wink, wink, no. wink, 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 wink. 
Yeah. Nobody who listens to our cast cares about that. I I know, I know, I know. Yes. Just legal for for legality. Like yes, 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 yes. Anyway. So anyway, yeah. Moving right along. There are some films on this list dating back to the old fashioned cast that uh that I did for research. One of them was the Netflix film A Week Away, which is do you like Camp Rock, but wished it had more Jesus in it? You mean Jesus Camp? Albert, go yeah. take five. Take five. You you <laughs> you're done here. You're done here. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go play on my switch for a bit. Right. <laughs> you're on blast. <laughs> but I yeah. haven't seen, I haven't seen that one either. But anyway, yeah. yeah. It it's interesting that Netflix decided to do a faith film as one of their originals and have it be like I'm sitting here and I'm like. This is Camp Rock. This is the Disney Channel original movie Camp Rock, minus everything that made Camp Rock watchable. Mm-hmm. Because I can't remember a single song from the musical, which, you know, that's not a good sign by any stretch of the imagination. And then there was Running From My Roots. Now, this film is, you have a... Country singer, songwriter, doing a public fall from grace and escaping to the country and, you know, rediscovering yourself. Fine. Sure. Whatever. Plot's been done before. However, however, this is the Christian take on it. Mm -hmm. And so the fall from grace is actually the main character trips at a bar and it's misconstrued that she's drunk or whatever. And that somehow gets all over the tabloids. And and so in an effort to uh, redo her image, there's a sequence in which they decide that the best way to go about it is to literally be Katy Perry, like the hairstyle, the outfits, everything. It also reminded me that it had a number of similarities to the Hannah Montana movie. Oh, there's a movie you want to Im- imitate. And frankly, I would rather watch that instead of running from my roots again. I'm getting to better stuff here. Trust me. Okay. I saw Encanto. Finally. Yeah. Yeah. You like it? No. Oh, no. Like (laughs) part of it for me is that it felt like Disney recycled some of some of their models for this film. Like. We are now a number of films deep into their second renaissance, and everything still you mean, looks... You mean Disney recycled a piece of animation? Jesus Christ. It's not like that hasn't happened before. It's not like that's never happened. Holy shit. Oh, no. no. Sorry, but fair point. Go on. <laughs> like, it's a very homogenized style, and and with each new film, it's like, okay, which locale are we going to explore possibly exploit it it just felt rather middle middle of the road for me like i i know a lot of people have said they were blown away by the style and the music and yes we don't talk about bruno slaps to an extent it's about rather middle of the road for me um i can see why people like it it just one for you. Yeah, it was not for yeah, me. Fair, fair enough. And in that same vein, I did watch the French Dispatch. Ah, what'd you think of that? Oh, uh, the... I mean, 
I say it, this it, knowing that Wes Anderson is definitely not for everybody. <laughs> this is it's getting to the point where it's very masturbatory. Like I kind of want him to dial it down just a little bit in in terms of like his aesthetic and maybe find like a better story to write. You can do excess well. You can do substance and style over story decently well. That it, it's just getting to the point where I need him to actually step out of his comfort zone and do something different. I agree. I mean, admittedly, I've never really particularly liked him when he was in his comfort zone. So, yeah. I did see the remake of Nightmare Alley, and the original was better. Like, there are a few elements of Del Toro actually doing his his thing, but it's not... It didn't go to the full extreme that, that the original film did unfortunately it also felt it also felt very empty in its compositions most of the film like yes this was shot during covid okay distancing and all that but even then there were it just felt weirdly empty in places where it shouldn't be and i'm not i don't think that's a good thing i did watch uh, call me by your name for the first time it's pretty to look at. That said, I do not understand the appeal of Timothy Chalamet. I will submit, I think he's one of those guys who he, the kind of roles that he's really probably pretty good at, I don't think they exist right now. It, does that make any sense? Like, he's really the kind of guy who should be getting Freddie Prinze Jr.'s level of work in the, in the late 90s. You know what I mean? I feel like he's that kind of guy. And unfortunately, the atmosphere we have doesn't support it. And so he's been boosted way beyond his credibility. Like, he was in Don't Look Up as as this burnout character, which was a nice change of pace for me. But even then, I still didn't like the film. That said, I would rather recommend you watch Leather Jacket Love Story, a film by none other than David Dakota. Mm -hmm. mm. One, of his, one of his, I've actually heard very good things about this. That this was Dakota really putting it all on the line, actually. Oh, oh really? Yeah. 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 Wow. Like, all on the line. Like, this is the gayest film that he will probably ever make in his entire work. And I love that. I love that because if you read interviews with him and you read about people that know him, they'll tell you he's one of the smartest guys on the planet about film. Is apparently, he really? Yeah, he's a very, apparently he's a massive film collector, knows the stuff. Knows Damn. the world inside and out. He knows what he's making, but he's brilliant about it because he knows he's making money. And this was his one time where he got to go put himself on a film. Hmm. Wow. I, I'm impressed, I have to say. I believe it would actually be pretty good. I'll also say this. I've seen Retro Puppet Master. And even then... I forgot he did that. Even... Yeah. Well, well yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the big uh, overlap point between him and the boy, as they call it, on Rift Tracks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you notice that even then you notice that when he has even a slight budget, he has an eye for shots and for lighting. Knowing that and knowing that he made a talking cat that he knew that that he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Actually impresses me quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. No, he knew exactly what he was doing. That's funny. He is not an incompetent. I want to make that clear. That's really funny. 
Leather Jacket Love Story is straight out of the 90s right down to the black and white indie video footage aesthetic that the film has overall. Actually has Mink Stole, believe it or not. Cool. Yeah, as the MC. How do I say this? Like, yeah, this film does deal with an age gap much like call me by your name did but i wasn't grossed out in leather jacket love story as i was with call me by your name because the actors in leather jacket love story looked like their respective ages in in the film versus i want to fuck a peach yeah it's not exactly an easy film to get your hands on but if you do get a chance give it a watch and you'll be very pleasantly surprised. This is why we do these casts. Because up until then, I thought his gayest work was uh, Absolution, The Journey, with uh, Mario Lopez. Well, it's cool to know that he actually made something that was genuinely gay. And I mean that with, with no joke. Because, like, both of, them were, both of them were right around the same period, too. And, yeah, it's actually kind of beautiful. Got three more on the list here. Sonic 2. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yeah. I thought it went a little long. Yeah. Like, there were parts that could have easily been trimmed out, especially the wedding sequence, because the film just stops dead in its tracks. Like, all of the momentum that was carried throughout the film just dies at this vacation wedding. And at that point, it's like, why is this in a Sonic movie? Like... It had yeah. a little bit of the same problems that uh, last year's Tom and Jerry movie had, where when it stops being about the main characters, the movie dies. Mm -hmm. And oddly enough, both revolved around weddings. Weird. Yeah, I think I think in that they were trying to, uh, because most of the movie is about Sonic and Tails, and Knuckles. And not yes, and Knuckles. Can't forget about Idris Elba knocking out of the park as Knuckles. I feel like with that subplot, even though it does connect to the larger plot later, I feel like it was mostly because they didn't have anything for James Marsden to do and uh, wanted to give him something to like have his own little C plot. If only they thought to do that in the X-Men movies. Yeah, Just give say. him something to do. He was only playing Cyclops. Yeah. I might be kind of a big <laughs> Cyclops fan and really not like what they did. <laughs> so that's that's my take on it. But yeah, you were right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't it didn't belong, it didn't fit. Yeah. Jim Carrey, still doing Jim Carrey. Oh, uh, yeah. No notes there. No notes to give. Yeah. yeah. You, you are a 90s Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. No notes. Hey, I'm not going to bitch. I'm not going to bitch. <laughs> yeah. Way of the House Husband, the anime on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Not familiar with this. Okay, so... I've heard of it. Yes. Uh, you have an ex-Yakuza member, supposedly one of the deadliest out there, just... Being a stay-at-home husband, you know, doing chores. That actually sounds kind of entertaining. It is entertaining because each episode is split up into different vignettes. And... Well, that sounds nice. It is nice. It takes its premise. It, it goes every possible direction it can, whether it's like a trip to the store and finding great deals or getting a birthday gift for your wife. It's a nice beautiful little comedy 
anime series. Ooh. I I definitely recommend it. Put that on my list. I'm just of the opinion that anime has something for everybody. Yes, yeah. it does. Yes. <laughs> okay. And like the uh, English dub has the voice actor for Haida. I I'm losing. Yes. Yes. And and it's him at. It's basically him doing Lego Shi from B Stars, but as a human this time. And then my last one is the unfortunately timely, never, rarely, sometimes, always the yeah the acclaimed abortion film. Yes, and rightfully so. You know, trying to sort out and figure how to get an abortion in a state that is way far away from you, and uh, of course now it's a period piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's weirdly enough streaming for free right now on on Freebie. You know, Fr- Freebie has some good stuff. They have some good stuff. Oh yeah, if you know where to look, they've got some really interesting uh titles. Yeah. Uh Disney is doing a lot of their uh, one thing I will say is a lot of their Fox stuff as much as I can bitch about it. A lot of their Fox stuff they are putting on places like that and making it accessible. Mm-hmm. And they're they're, I will get to this, but they are finally starting to do something with their 20th century uh, label. Yeah. They're finally I'm starting not, to do stuff. Of course, I'm about to bitch about that when I cut when it gets to my turn. So go right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Albert, why don't you take the floor? Because I want to I only have a few to close out. So that's the thing. OK, I have quite a few. Granted, uh, I didn't start typing these up until, like, we started the cast. The thing is that Albert's going to name a bunch of titles that I'm going to talk about, so... Oh, yeah, probably, but yeah. I know some will slip through my fingers, but basically I just did a cursory glance through all of my many, many uh, streaming services and uh, went, oh yeah, I did see that. Oh yeah, I did see that. Some of which will be covered on uh, Order of the Snoot, which, small plug, we're going to be starting up again soon. We're going to review Season 3 of The Boys, which is knocking it out of the park. I have a really, I'm just going to say, I have a really hard time believing any yeah. of that. Because I hate that comic so much. I know they've changed the comic dramatically. I, can't, I refuse to believe there is anything of value in that show. I'm just saying. Okay. And I, I that, that... I feel like that's the big thing. I'm shocked nobody has commissioned me to watch that because my hatred for that comic is so intense and searing. But I also believe it. it I also believe that it probably is good. I just hate the comic so much. It is my least favorite comic I've ever read, and that's from 20 years of reading. So, yeah, I'll just I'll just briefly glance glance off the boys right now. Like I am impressed that they uh, they have put trigger warnings on all their episodes this season. Good, yeah. Okay, see, there's automatically something the comic didn't do. Garth Ennis probably thinks trigger warnings are. Oh God, I just I can't go on. Yeah, no, they did. Like, there's uh, like this last one. They had uh, themes of like uh, like abuse and uh, just a lot of trauma stuff, and they they put a warning on there. It's like, hey. Um, <laughs> This one might be upsetting. Just a warning. So they've been doing that. And I have every belief that the uh, creators of a TV show try to improve upon the comic. Mostly because I, whenever Tab and I watch a thing that's based on a comic or, you know, book or whatever, uh, she automatically, like she's a researcher, <laughs> like a Google researcher, she will automatically like look up, hey, so how does this differ from the original source material? Like, like it's 
a shortcut, but you know, an understandable hmm. one. And uh, some of the stuff she's described to me, like what's in the oh, God. is horrible. And I'm glad that they had not included in the show. And I'm also going to say, I am happy that Carl Urban has a hit. I am very happy that finally, after all these years, he has a hit. Oh, he's great in it. And uh, I love that dude. Yeah. But so you might be pleasantly surprised if you do. I might be. I don't know. But having said that. But I don't ever intend to find out. Yeah. Go having on. said that, I'll, uh, I won't begrudge you if you are not in a hurry to uh, jump on that particular one. But anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tab and I will be discussing that. Um, as well as once the fourth season of What We Do in the Shadows comes out later this month. That I will be watching far more eagerly. Absolutely. We'll be we'll be covering seasons. Very eagerly. Yeah, we'll be covering seasons three and four. Also, can we just give that show a lot of credit for being one of the few shows where they're not wasting any time between seasons? Absolutely not. Oh, God. They're firing. They're firing. They're firing as fast as they can. Oh, absolutely. And I am here for it. Is this been less mm-hmm. than a year since the last one was out? Yeah. And oh, yes, it is. This could be great. I love it. So, yeah, the first one I know you uh, are also going to talk about uh, Bob's Burgers movie. This is such a lovely place for us to start. Yes. I know. Like, again, Tab and I saw it in theater. Oh, we so wanted to see it in theater. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Like, it's such comfort food. It's coming out on Hulu uh, on the 12th. And I know I'm going to, I'm going to get, it's, it's been a while since I've gotten like a physical, a special, yeah, special edition physical media. Uh, I'm still a big fan of physical media, even though it seems to be fizzling out, which makes me sad. But uh, I'm getting the the Best Buy 4K Steelbook release. That sounds like a good plan. Oh, yeah, that's my plan. Apparently, that's the only place you can get it in 4K. Cool. Let's point out, by the way, that it is actually a movie that you need to see in 4K. Yeah. Because it is a gorgeously animated for a 2D an- for what it is. I noticed that a lot of the, the animation came from Ireland, that they had a lot of Irish animators working on it. Yeah, uh, it's it's the people that work on like Secret of the Kells and stuff like that. I was going to ask because that is gorgeous. It's, it, it is every frame. They they make use of the multiplanes so well. Yeah, it's animated in uh, Toon Boom, which is the same yeah. platform they animated uh, the My Little Pony movie, which is also pretty gorgeous. It looks great. Oh, yeah, everything's so smooth and shadowed. And and I have to point out, I love that this is really fundamentally just the show. They don't try to make it any bigger. They don't try to make it any larger. They don't try to alter the formula. If you love Bob's Burgers, this is just that. I believe I sent out, because uh, Twitter just sends me tweets, like, automatically, like in notifications. Some, which I don't mind getting, and a lot of them are Lauren, Lauren Bouchard. Uh, who, like, just tweets out a lot of articles about the movie and, you know, just he's very, very, very sweet man on Twitter. But anyway, he retweeted an article about how it's not just a 90 minute Boss Burgers episode and why why it's you know bigger than that. And I added a little comment that said, yeah, instead of going uh, as far as locale goes, instead of going outside, it literally digs deeper into it it does and uh i got i got a like from lauren and that's what and that's what makes the film so good is it it yes it plays on what made the show great instead of trying to make it appealing to a mass audience yeah if you're not already a fan this really truly might make you a fan 
because it shows you what the show is. And it's it's hysterical. It is hysterical. Yeah, it's not one you have to go into knowing a lot. So because no. essentially that's not really what Bob's Burgers is about. Gene gets some all time great one liners. He does. I loved hearing his one liners in a theater. Um, this honestly, this is one of my favorite films that I get to cover that I watched this time. But keep going. If it's still playing anywhere near you right now, I would uh, please see it. Please see it. It's so fun seeing it with an audience. Mm, it does play great to an audience. Yeah, there were there were kids in our audience, and oh man, they were enjoying it. And it's a very fa- it's a very family friendly film. Don't let the PG thirteen rating fool you. They don't actually they don't actually do anything content wise that they didn't do on the show. Nah, unlike some Simpsons movie. <clears throat> Hello, Bart. Hi. Hi, Bart's Pian. I didn't need to see you. I'm gay. I like men now. I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, you talk about a TV show adaptation that absolutely... That's the thing. The Bob's Burgers movie is on the same tier as the Simpsons movie for me. In terms of... I loved the Simpsons movie. Please don't get me wrong. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is That's what I'm saying. Is the Simpsons movie is fantastic. It's great. It just did some, it just did a couple things that were not, uh, I'm just saying like it, we're not in purview yeah. of the TV show that they could get away with. Um, this is different. Yeah. But yeah, although I really did not need to see Bart's penis, that part I will no, stick no, to. So bad. yeah, no, 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 no. That's the, my, my only note. So, but yeah, that was a, that was a 20th century thing. So I'm glad they, I'm glad that the Disney merger did not kill this movie because, oh, what we would have lost. So anyway, yeah, uh, just finished Stranger Things 4. I haven't seen it. No I spoilers. Won't. Oh no, absolutely no spoilers, but. Just, t- just tell me that it's, just tell me that it's still good. It's satisfying. It's Great. a satisfying ending and sets it up for season five, which. Sounds good. Which we know for sure is happening. So, and is the last season. It's the last season, and boy, do they set up for a hell of a season. So, yeah, the last episode is two hours long. It's like two and a half hours long, which yeah seems long, but uh, at the same time, it doesn't feel like it while you're watching. You're just hanging on to it. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of moving parts this season, which is cool. I'm glad they went that breadth for this. But anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, Saw old finally. I'm not. Sh- I still not seen that. I'm not Shyamalan's old. It's okay. Like it's uh, it's a nice Shyamalan. It was worth a watch. Uh, it's got like it's him working. It's basically him doing a bottle episode. You know, there's twists. It's him, Night Shyamalan. Welcome to the twists. Anyway, so that's on HBO Max. If you know you're interested. Speaking of HBO Max. Uh, our flag means death. That's uh, I really enjoyed that. It's being referred to as the gay pirate show. It's cool. Yeah, which is pretty great. Something I did not know going in, but it's like, a, oh, neat. And Reese Darby is really funny in it. And, uh, you know, Taika Waititi is Blackbeard. He's also really funny in it. It's just a really I like I love anything that Taika Waititi touches. Just it's it's great. I need to thank you for reminding me. I need to get a ticket for Thursday. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I All forgot right. about that. Yes. I need his follow up to Ragnarok. Ragnarok is one of those movies that I uh, it's one of the uh, few movies. On loop. Yeah, I can just throw on whenever and I am good. But anyway, so yes, 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 yes. Our flag means death. Highly recommend. Also HBO Max uh, Disenchantment season three. 
season four. Jesus. Yeah, Disenchantment, the latest season. That was also fun. I, I recommend it. It's a nice, it's a nice breezy time for fans of uh, Futurama. It has a lot of the same people. Wish I could say more, but yeah. Uh, the baby. How was that? Yeah, that it's, sounds weird. It's being billed. Here's the thing. It's being billed as a horror comedy. Uh, it's not so much on the comedy part, but uh, yeah, but it is worth a watch. It is it is actually really good. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I do reckon it's a brisk like six episodes. It's British. Yeah. So yeah, it's a shorter season, like six or six or eight episodes. So yeah, if as long as you go in knowing that it's more horror than comedy, uh, and even then it's not. Um, it's a baby that kills people. <laughs> You know, and oh, there we it's go. very, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting, worthwhile show. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a next season and I can't wait for it. Oh, there you go. But yeah, it's, it's really good. So let's see. I'm rewatching the, the wire. The show still holds up after 20 years. And uh, it would. yeah. And I, after I get done, I'm going to watch David Simon's follow up uh, tri- trim trim which I got recommended yeah. to me by by somebody who lived in the area at the time it was being filmed and knew a lot of the the locals that they cast in it. Yeah, because it's about uh, it's it's very beloved in New Orleans. Yeah, like I hadn't even heard of it. You know, my dad's currently watching it yeah. after seeing that re- seeing said yeah. public Facebook recommendation. So yeah, it's about the rebuilding after Katrina and what you know the locals went through. Cool on that, and just for the absolute love of the city. Anyway, let's see. Moving on here, Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, this is one that you and I can talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the first Marvel movie post the Marvel MCU TV shows, like not, you know, the mm-hmm. Disney. I'll say the Disney Plus MCU shows. There you go. Yeah, uh, it's the, the first one. It's the first one where you have to have seen one of the shows. And you really do have to have seen WandaVision, but that's not really a painful thing to say to people because that is really good. It's not. I know I know a few people that didn't that didn't care for it, but at the same time, you know, I know I know I loved it. I did too. But yeah, it uh I won't there's no spoilers here, multiverse of madness. No. Just to say that Sam Raimi is great. I really have some thoughts on Sam Raimi and how he was used here. If you love his style, you will love what he did with this. For those that don't know, Kevin Feige and John Favreau have been very vocal that Spider-Man was their template for Iron Man. That was hmm. the movie they chased. That was what they were trying to do. There you go. It, it makes perfect sense that when Raimi came into Marvel, they didn't you don't feel like there's a house style being imposed on him. You can tell from the first shots, this is Sam Raimi. This is Evil Dead 4. He might be coloring within the lines. But that's his job. He colored within the lines for Spider-Man. People forget that. Yes, he did. In fact, he usually colors within the lines unless he's the one that's drawn them. Um, a simple plan, I think, is just as much Raimi's style being held back as this, and no one ever bitches about that. This, it, the thing is, this really isn't Raimi holding back. This is him firing every bullet in his gun, making the most Sam Raimi film he can on a studio dime to the point where apparently he would have arguments with Marvel and they just gave up and let him win. (laughs) I fully believe that. Also, I will say Raimi is a perfect fit for this material. 
He is a perfect MCU director. He gets Doctor Strange. Of course he does a good Doctor Strange movie. This is what he does. It's really fucking funny because I've, I saw a lot of things before this came out. Like somebody pointed to an interview uh, he did where somebody, uh, the, the person asked him, hey, have you seen any of the MCU movies? It's like, well, I've seen Doctor Strange. I liked that a lot. And I've seen uh, Iron Man. I, li- I liked that a lot. But otherwise, I really haven't. But, you know, I am a huge, huge Marvel comic fan and I've read every single I've read almost every single issue of Doctor Strange and uh, Hulk and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I saw the comment that was made on that tweet was something like this dude just uh, watched an MCU recap on YouTube and rolled up on set. And it's like, you're missing the point. (laughs) Yeah. The point is that the point is that he was hired to make this specific film. Also, you forget he directed Spider-Man and those movies are much beloved and considered like the gold standard. Yeah. Like you say, yeah, the gold standard of um, what is what a Marvel superhero movie should be. This. Yeah. Like I said, if if you come to this movie for Raimi, holy shit, you're getting pure Raimi. And I loved it. I missed him. You're also getting Bruce Campbell. It's a package deal. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not complaining at. Just last night, uh, I watched Last Night in Soho because we're Edgar right. Yeah, absolutely. Edgar, Edgar fucking right. I he's still my favorite director. I heard this was a very good hymn. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's on HBO Max now because I just I just like it's like, hmm, what can we watch with dinner? Let's see. And then just randomly went to HBO Max. That's the first thing I came up like, let's watch this right now. So, yeah, he did a very, very good job. Good psychological thriller. I can't wait to see what he does next. There you go. But yes, I can't. I also can't. This doesn't involve him, but I also can't wait for the second movie. But anyway, actually, it does actually no, that does involve him. Does it? Oh, yeah. He's he's writing the script. He's writing. That's right. Yeah, he's writing the script. Hell yeah. Okay, I take that back. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, Halo was good. Uh, don't necessarily need to have played any of the video games to enjoy that one. That was pretty good. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I just want to hit on quick. I think that's the only way you can hit on it. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Like, Le- the, the actress for Leia is the star. She's incredible. I, I'll tell you where I'm at with that show. I got halfway through it. I thought, you know, I'm really enjoying this. I don't give a shit if I ever finish it. And that's bizarre, because I was having a really good time with it. I got to the halfway mark, Ms. Marvel started up, and I was distracted by that, and then I realized, I don't care if I go back. I am not going, I think I'll probably go back eventually and I'll enjoy it. We know everything that's going to happen on this show. Disney, I'm begging you, you have Star Wars, go do something else with it. Go, I know you can, just give me a fighter pilot series. Give me the Rogue Squadron movie. Yeah, which we will not be getting now. Really? Oh, shit. It's been canceled, yeah. Give me something else. But yes, I think Mandalorian was a step in the right direction in that it's not, like, with very few exceptions, with some run-ins, like, it's not established characters in the forefront. I'm actually really excited about Andor because I think Andor is going to be getting them, even with an established character, getting them in the direction of something new. Something new, yeah. And it's Tony Gilroy. And it's Tony Gilroy doing it. I love Tony Gilroy. It's an established character, but one that hasn't been explored to death. 
I was hoping that this would fill in some of the some of the emptiness I felt at the end of the prequel, just because, uh, yeah, this is too neatly set up kind of thing. And you mean absolutely nothing happened for the in the 20 years between? Well, something happened, but it I don't know. But it was this. OK, OK. So it didn't exactly fill that for me, but it's like, OK, this was a worthwhile watch. I'm probably never going to watch it again. Yeah. But, you know, it was nice to see Qui-Gon Jinn again. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, Neeson has always been one of the loudest people to tell you what he thought of episode one. Yeah. He got pissed when people would be attacking it. He was, he was proud of it. Yeah. He loves that movie. He's, he's thrilled with it. I know I'm spoiling it with a cameo, but not really. We, all, in, gonna be in we it. all know. Absolutely. Yeah. But anyway, I liked that a lot. Um, yeah, there were things I liked a lot about it, but as far as like the overall, it didn't really need to be made. You know, uh, another one I really want to hit on is a Gretzko season four. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> hook it into my veins. <laughs> yeah. I, I really love Gretzko to a level I cannot like describe. Peacemaker was fun. Yeah. Heard it was. What watching through Hannibal, that's a trip. Can't believe it mm-hmm. aired on network TV, what they got away with. Yeah. The grade is really good. Gosh, yeah, I think that's really that's really it for me. So take it away, Austin. I'm going to seriously be a machine gun on these because a lot of these I've already said my pieces on them because, you know, for those that don't know, I took over as editor in chief on uh, cinema from the spectrum from Jamie Rebinall, and I've been posting a few more reviews. I've seen a few things. I have nothing but love. Jamie continues to be a very active member of the site. I don't blame people. if They even still think that he's running it. Um, I'm Jamie's a tremendous guy. I have nothing but love. I love that site, but um, I'm going to kind of cover just, I'm, some stuff that I've seen. Here's a rare negative review from me. I really didn't like Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I was extremely let down by it. There is a really good 10-minute stretch in the movie where they go to college and they discover what white privilege is, and it's fantastic. Otherwise, it's just do America again. And I love do America, but I've lived with it for 26 years. I don't need it done again. It, it's also really poorly animated. I can't get over it. It's really poorly animated. Uh, this new style of animation they've got on it is atrocious. I have some serious concerns about the revival, and that's my thoughts on that. Covering movies that went to streaming, now is where I'm going to absolutely beat the ever-loving shit out of Disney for a few minutes, if I may. Disney. I watched Fresh. I watched No Exit. Those are two really good horror movies that belonged in theaters. Why the hell did you not put them there? Coming up, we've got Prey, the new Predator movie. Why is that not going to theaters? I get that you are using this as a, you know, as a churn for streaming. I'm hearing that The Princess is very good. These are movies that are interesting and could go to theaters. No Exit is a really wonderful little sleeper. I really hope y'all get the chance to see it. Uh, it's a, it is a classic locker room mystery. It is a classic old school parlor house mystery. I really loved it. So there, there's that. Oh, let me hit on the real big mistake that Disney made with streaming. So, let's talk Turning Red for just a moment, shall we? Yeah, that should have been a theater movie. That 100% should have played theaters, and I have no understanding why it didn't play theaters. Why, why are you not putting Pixar out in theaters anymore? You insist on... This, would, this belonged in theaters. This is a 
gorgeous looking movie. It is funny. It is intelligent. It is smart. It is entertaining as all hell. Lola loved it. Lola's seen it several times. Lola loves it. Turning Red is fantastic. It also has a really good soundtrack. Um, by uh, The music is by Academy Award winners uh, Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell. Boy, there's a strange thing to say. But yes, it is by those two Academy Award winning writers. The O'Connell siblings are talented songwriters. I've got to say that. They know their hooks. But Turning Red is fantastic. I don't need any... I'm not saying anything new there. Let's see. I really, 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 really hope that people get the chance to watch the... I hate this title. I think this title is not helping the movie. But The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is a tremendous blast. And I hope people get the chance to see it. This is better known as the Nicolas Cage movie. This is the movie where Nicolas Cage, in theory, plays himself, but not really. And it's just a Nicolas Cage star vehicle. And it's great. Cage is so wonderful in it. It's just an old school Nicolas Cage movie. It's just that the character happens to be Nicolas Cage. If you love Cage's movies in the 90s and 2000s, this is kind of all of them put into a blender. It's a bit of an action comedy. It's a bit of a guy going through a neurotic crisis movie. It's hysterical. I laughed my ass off at it. Um, and it's just sweet. That's the thing. It's got a really good, warm heart. And if there's any movie that I'm talking about on this cast, that's the one that I really want to recommend to people because that's the one that I think it's a really good time. And it gives me hope. That's the thing that annoys me is I'm listing these movies uh, like No Exit and Fresh, which is Fresh will scar you. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Mm-hmm. I believe it. And this, there are, there are original movies being made. And I, when people grouse about that, I do want to encourage people that there are films like this out there. But the movie that came out in this time frame that really left a mark on me is an unexpected one. It is one that you would never guess hit me hard because of my interests. And it's kind of an out there film. It's kind of a strange film. So, okay, enough joking. I'm talking about the Batman. <laughs> yeah. Enough joking. Let me, let me get my thoughts on the Batman on the record. Matt Reeves is a lunatic. I believe this. I believe Matt Reeves is out of his mind. And I say that because he doesn't seem to think about these franchise movies the way that everybody else does. Everybody else is thinking, how can we make this so toyetic? How, we can, how can we make this safe and build? For... He, was, he takes stuff like Planet of the Apes and Batman, stuff that has always been designed as merchandise stars, and goes, how can I make the darkest, bleakest films that I can and still get a PG-13? I, he makes feel bad movies. <laughs> For the love of God, Cloverfield ended with an atomic bomb blowing up New York. Yes, yes, it I'm did. Going to submit his movies. Do not. Uh, his Planet of the Apes trilogy ended with humanity either dead or mute. He does not make feel good movies, and he doesn't do it here. This is not a fun, goofy Batman. It's influ It's influenced heavily by the '60s show. But it's really dark and unpleasant, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. I don't care that it's a three-hour movie. I loved it. Uh, I saw it on the biggest screen I could. It looks fantastic. The cinematography by Greg Fraser is insanely good. And we got to address Robert Pattinson. Um, I don't know how to put this. He isn't. He is officially in contention for best screen Batman for me. Robert Pattinson is great in this movie. Robert Pattinson is, and here's the thing that I love, he plays Batman the same way he played Edward Cullen, which is a dark, 
broken, brooding weirdo who attractive women are attracted to him, but he seems uncomfortable around them. He does the same thing. He just wears a Batman mask in this. I think it's extremely funny. The best comment that I've seen about his uh, portrayal of Batman slash Bruce Wayne is that the Eretz said now and how young he is, he could have been listening to My Chemical Romance as a teenager in this timeline. Well, he totally comes off as a Batman who did. <laughs> yes, absolutely. He, he comes up. I lo- I seriously love this movie. Um, Colin Farrell, I cannot say enough good about in this movie. Uh, his Paul Dano is a fantastic villain. Andy Serkis is great in it. Jeffrey Wright's great. Everybody, Zoe Kravitz is, she's not in contention as the best screen Catwoman. She just is. She just is. She's the best Catwoman we've gotten. And we haven't had bad ones. So I loved it. And the, the last thing that I want to talk about, and this is the last thing I want to, if, the, if that's okay with everybody, is uh, I want to talk about not a movie, not a TV show. Um, I've watched the same things everybody else has. I'm still getting through Ms. Marvel. I'll have my final thoughts on that when I see it. The thing that I've been experiencing that I've really been loving is I've been listening to the BBC radio adaptations of Hercule Poirot. Uh, Agatha Christie's classic character. And that's the thing I want to close out on, because that's what I've been really hooked on. I love these. Agatha Christie had the most pitch-black view of humanity. She hated people, and I loved her for it. These are easy to find. They're really kind of... I mean, look, if you, they're real easy to find. Uh, Amazon has them. They're real easy to listen to. They run about 90 minutes to two and a half hours. So they're movies, basically. Um, I listened to Death on the Nile while drive, while taking a drive this winter. And then ever since then, I've been listening to one or two a month. They're fantastic. I, John Moffat, who played Poirot, is incredible. He is so funny, so charming. And I just, I love these stories. Uh, I listened to one yesterday on a drive. I just, I love Agatha Christie. I love what she does. Highest recommend to this stuff. This is the media that has really been getting me through this period. And on that, let's just take her out. All right. So, so yeah, this has been the Omniplex. Our opening and closing music is Glasses by Jonathan Colton using a Creative Commons 3.0 license. You can tweet us. We're at the Omniplex on Twitter. You like us on Facebook? We are at facebook.com slash the Omniplex podcast. I said that like it's a question. You like us on Facebook? Uh, <laughs> but I'm leaving it that way, though. Anyway. Uh, have a question or suggestion for a show or email us at the Omniplex podcast at gmail.com. Uh, speaking of our email, somebody actually did email our previous email address, which I still have linked to my phone. So I see yeah. it. And it's amazing because they said that we never did cover the bat. We never did cover the Dark Knight. We promised we would. The Dark Knight trilogy. I see. I see that as a we will cover that soon. Yes, we will cover that very, very soon. Yeah, I need to shout this person. It's Jalen Johnson. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for informing us of this gap. We are still very interested in covering it, and we are going to do it very soon. So thank you. So yeah, stuff like that. Please email us. Please do. <laughs> so with that, uh, stay safe, everybody. Please. Yep. <laughs> Mask up where you can. Get vaccinated. All that good stuff. All right. All right. So, all right. We'll talk to you all later. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Yeah.